Texas football Sunday night live stream brought to you by the folks at the Cross Oak Group. I'm Bobby Burton, joined uh, by Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers. Uh, guys, uh, I tell you what, big win for the Longhorns. Cowboys win, Texans win, uh, Astros and the Rangers in the playoffs simultaneously. Good, good week for Texas sports uh, right now, right? Beautiful thing, baby. Beautiful thing. <laughs> Bobby, how did you forget that Texas Tech won Saturday? Okay. See, there's no need to mention that. That's uh, something. I, I would say Bay, that Baylor comeback though was impressive. That, that was impressive. That was impressive. I mean, hey, hey, Rod, you know, your coaches can say all they want, but you know, when it was 35-7, he was sitting there thinking, "I'm getting fired." Yep, you no doubt he was. No question. And you know what he did? My last quarter and a half at Baylor. And you know what he did, Jerry? He gave the speech of a lifetime at one point. He gave the speech. I would hope they hope they uh, got a chance to you know record that whatever that halftime speech was from Dave Randa because it's yeah. probably the most emotional he's ever been. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, good for them. You know, I, Blake Shapin came back and, and was part of that. Uh, but we're here to talk a little Longhorns. Uh, going to review some of the game last night or yesterday afternoon, and then also, guys, uh, we're gonna. We're definitely going to talk a little OU. It's time to move the clock forward. It's 9.05 in Argentina, and OU still sucks. How's that, guys? Uh, hey, I'm ready for it. We're going to move the move the clock forward, start talking a little OU football. Uh, the uh, Sooners uh, coming in ranked with the top five offense in the country. Uh, they scored 50. They put 50 up on uh, Iowa State, a normally stingy defense, on Saturday night. Uh, this should be interesting, in my opinion. Uh, as we go forward, we're also going to talk a little recruiting. Of course, Texas had some recruits on campus as well. Uh, and then uh, also just get into your thoughts. Uh, Rod, I know you did a rewatch of the game. I've done a rewatch of the game now uh, as well. I think I've actually watched it three times. Ooh. Uh, so, hey, uh, let's let's start with your biggest takeaways on a rewatch, Rod. Let's let's start in that direction. Um, okay, my biggest takeaway uh, for the – I saw one on the defense, one on the offense. The defense – Kansas did find something, all right, that they could exploit versus the Texas defense. And honestly, Longhorn fans at this point should be happy uh, about teams finding little weaknesses in the defense before you end up playing teams like Oklahoma, little problems for the defense to fix. And one of them versus, and you won't have to see this versus Oklahoma. I don't think they'll present this problem. Maybe they will in some form or fashion was the option play. Um, and I'll try to look at what the adjustments were they made for the option. Uh, go in the second half, go look at how much, how much single high safety they played as opposed to two high. They were pretty much split in the first half, two high, single high. They were splitting man. And that second half, you can see that PK was all about putting guys down in the box. There was no fear of being hurting you as a passer in the pocket. And he knew that. So that's when they decided, you know what? We're going to stop the run. That's our main priority. And we're going to stop the option. We'll do about putting more guys in the box. Uh, so I just like the adjustments that defense is making. Uh, they, they they really don't have any systemic weaknesses. What, what they have are uh, – what, what they're just not perfect, right? So there are different ways depending on the, the, the combination of players. So they rotate a lot of guys uh, depending on the coverage they're in. You may be able to exploit them, but it's sporadically. It's not something you can do over and over again. Remember when Sark first got here, man, you could run the edges on Texas uh, all day, all day long, all day long. You could throw the deep ball all day long on Texas. You can just do it over and over again, down after down. Um, they were really susceptible to, you know, to, to different concepts and different formations. I think how the, the inside cuts, I remember last year harping about, oh, man, you go inside cuts on Texas, you can get them all day, every day. They give up the inside leverage very, very easily. You know, I don't really have those talking points anymore for this defense. If, they, if, if, they, if something exploits them, it's something different week to week, it would seem. It's like, oh, man, this week they went after Ryan Watts. Oh, this week they decided it was the option play. But there's no systemic weaknesses. I like that about the defense. Offensively, when JT Sanders went out, I think it was the end of this first quarter, maybe the beginning of the second quarter, somewhere around there. Uh, look how heavily Sark leaned on that 6-0 line package. Yeah. What they call the Big 12 package. Uh, Kyle Flood wants to run it. He says he wants to run it 30% of the time, like 30, 40%. So he wants to run it a lot. But he's an O-line guy. So, of course, yeah. he wants more O-linemen on the field. 
But you got to wide out. <laughs> exactly. That's the most snaps I can recall Texas playing of the 6-0 line package since it was introduced last season at Texas. I don't think they played that much of it. And maybe it's because of the injury, or maybe it's something that they've been they're trending towards more and more. Well, maybe they win the Big 12 with the Big 12 package. There you go. <laughs> uh, Big 12. Uh, just terminology there, 12 means one running back. The first number is the running number of running backs. Second number, the number of tight ends. Ogbo, of course, uh, coming in yeah. is the, the second tight end. Yep. And in this game, it was predominantly Gunnar Helm, who was healthy. Uh, I, I do have an injury update a little bit on uh, JT Sanders. Uh, they do not believe it's anything major, is no. what I've been told. However, he was walking in a boot after the game. A couple of guys were in boots after the game. That is typically precautionary. Uh, and so we'll be uh, obviously uh, checking on that throughout the week. That'll be a, a major uh, talking point uh, as well. Ryan Watts injury. Uh, I do not have more update on that. Uh, the young man out of Little Elm that's been a two-year starter uh, for the Longhorns at corner. Uh, I do want to say one other thing. Uh, Bill Little, the longtime long, uh, Longhorn Sports Information Director, uh, you know, a mentor to guys like John Bianco, the current sports information guy at the University of Texas, the head of the communications uh, department. Uh, his memorial was earlier today uh, over at the LBJ Library. Uh, Mac Brown uh, gave a eulogy. John Bianco gave a eulogy as well. A number of uh, Longhorns in attendance, uh, both young and old. Uh, I've got to say this. Uh, you know, I, I know I knew Bill Little since I was in college, uh, met him when I was 18, 19 years old. Uh, he was always uh, a really nice guy to me. So, I uh, want to wish him and his family uh, the very best. It's good that some people like Mac Brown came back to Austin today, uh, to say thank you. Uh, Jerry, move it on to a little recruiting news before we uh, get, get going on some other stuff. Uh, both DeAndre Carter and Solomon Williams in for official visits. I saw you post something on Inside Texas earlier yeah. today. What's what's the very latest? Yeah, I think uh, the very latest is, you know, we'll see in a few days where things really stand coming out after the visit. You know, you have the visit high, and I've heard things about the visit. Look, I'll start with Solomon Williams. Um, I think the, mo the mom being here obviously was huge. You're not going to win these recruitments without mom. Just ask Danny Okoye. The mom only made the visit to Oklahoma, and he went to Oklahoma. Uh, so you're not winning recruitments uh, without the mom being on campus at some point. Um, so the mom was there. The biggest takeaway I had from that is two things that I've heard. One, the mom spent a lot of time with either Texas parents or a couple of uh, 2024 commits parents, and they gave her the rundown of the University of Texas because she hadn't been on campus before. This was the first time. So this was kind of a really quick visit when you fly in Saturday and you're out Sunday night, right? So they gave her a big rundown, 45, 50 minutes speech kind of, or just conversation on the University of Texas, Steve Sarkeesian, Tori Becton, you know, everything that these parents have seen while their kids are going through the process, um, if they're committed or a couple of people who have been here for a year. So the mom got the, the rundown of the, of the University of Texas. Uh, that I think is big when you sit down at that table, uh, which I suspect will be Solomon, his mom, and his head coach, and kind of talk through that decision. Uh, I think with Solomon, he spent more time with Baron Sorrell, who I I wrote about that at Inside Texas when I was through the school. That's one guy he had connected with, and Baron had done a good job staying uh, in contact with him when he visited in July. I, I think the biggest news I heard last night shortly after 9 was everybody thinks this is going to be a or, or not everybody. Two key people think this is going to be a and Texas. And I think that's very interesting because he went to AM last weekend on an official visit. Um, so we'll see how long this recruitment plays out. I, I suspect he makes the decision this month in October. I should say this month now. It's October 1st. Uh, this month in October. Uh, the question is, does he go back to Alabama for the Tennessee game or does he visit Oregon? If it's true, and I do think it's true, what I heard, it's really down to AM Texas. I'm not sure. He makes those other visits. We'll see. Um, but that's something that him and his circle will have to talk about. On DeAndre Carter, I think Texas has a real shot. I mean, look, the fact that he came in for an official visit 26, 27 days after committing to Auburn uh, is a sign that Texas is real there. Both parents came on the official visit. I think it was a great weekend, an opportunity for uh, Kyle Flood to really roll out that resume of development, right? Tory Becton showing DeAndre Carter what he's done in this program from a developmental standpoint. Steve Sarkeesian obviously connecting again with another 
uh, family from Southern California and those ties to modern day. Uh, I think the big thing that uh, Texas will have to overcome with that, I've said it before, is there's there, it's it's easier to see a path to the field at Auburn right now than Texas. Texas has depth on the offensive line. Um, Auburn is going is really early in a rebuild mode, so it's easier for a recruit to see a path there. Uh, but I think Texas feels like they have a legitimate shot uh, at both these guys this week. We'll see which direction it goes. I don't think we'll have to wait a long time here on DeAndre Carter. I don't think this will drag out the whole month of October. I think Texas will know something in the next week, 10 days, where if they're going to get uh, have a real shot to flip them. Hey, Jerry, I have two uh, Super Chats here for you back-to-back. Wayward's wanting to know if the, if, if the wind moved the needle with any recruits in attendance. And then also Juan's wanting to know uh, about Bryce. He says he's getting Bryce Anderson vibes with Kobe Black visiting A&M next for the Bama game and not going to the Red River rivalry, which is what 24-7 is reporting. I think Justin Wells is saying something different. What What are you hearing on Kobe Black as well as what it may have done with those 2025 recruits uh, that were in the stands on Saturday? I'll start with the recruits uh, from Saturday. I mean, no offense to Kansas, but a Kansas one doesn't move the needle much. <laughs> it's, yep. That's not a team kids look at and is high on their list. Um, so if, if that's not one that people are going to be, kids are going to be jumping up and down about, right? That's Oklahoma. That's Alabama. Uh, that's a bit, you know, that's getting in a college football playoff. Those are the wins where the kids are really take notice of, or when your players start, start winning awards and getting drafted. Kansas didn't, that's not anything that moves a needle for kids. I mean, Hey, you're, you, you, you remain undefeated. You're number three in the country. Um, and it, guys had big games, right? But Kids don't look at Kansas, say, oh, Texas, man, Texas or Kansas. I might visit Kansas. There aren't many kids saying they're going to visit Kansas. Um, on Kobe Black, um, it, that'll be interesting to see. I, 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 you know, Justin obviously is reporting that that is a maybe or that may not happen. Kobe was originally scheduled a couple of months ago. Alabama game was the official visit for Kobe Day and m That was on the books for sure. Um, so we'll see which way. He goes, look, Kobe didn't make the official visit to LSU in September, but this recruitment's going to end up coming down to Texas versus Texas A&M. I, I really believe that, everything I'm hearing. So it would make sense that he goes and visits A&M before he um, and makes a final decision, announces a decision. Uh, so that's where we're at with that. All right. Now, Jerry, uh, before we get going, I got we got another question. We, you just mentioned uh, awards, national awards uh, earlier. Uh, being a, a factor maybe in some recruitments, et cetera. Uh, I've got to talk to you about that because we got a really good question coming up. First, I need to say thank you, though, to our sponsor. Uh, every Sunday night's live stream is brought to you the fo- by the folks at the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business with decades of experience ranging from the state house to the White House. Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. All right, guys, here's one for you, Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton from Adrian W, or excuse me, from Michael W. Do you agree that Jonathan Brooks is special? He now has the most rushing yards in Power Five. Without, except for uh, Estime at Notre Dame, who has 75 more yards, but has played in the, in six games because they had the, the game in Ireland to start the season. I'm I'm the same I was, Bobby. We both said he'd be an NFL draft pick before the season. He was an NFL running back. Special, no. I mean, specials Adrian Peterson, Ricky Williams. I mean, that's a very – that's elite, elite class. So, not for me, not special. Very, very good running back that will have a career playing in the NFL. I, I kind of like him the Priest Holmes a little bit. Uh, what about you, Rod? Uh, no, I, I I love Jonathan Brooks. I think he is a, a really good running back. He's got a Sunday skill set, so I agree with Jerry on that. Uh, you know, Bijan Robinson is considered a special running back, elite running back. Can he be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft with the devaluation of the running back position overall? That makes you special. So, uh, you know, is he an NFL running back? Yeah, of course he is. I think he's an NFL running back. He's proven that right now. Um, is he a guy that can – elevate the Texas running game. He's doing that, no question, as well. And maybe he'll prove me wrong, too. Um, but special means you can prove even the NFL 
uh, kind of the NFL evaluators wrong, which is they don't like drafting running backs in the first round. You can force them to do that. Then you are special. <laughs> hey, Rod and, and Jerry, I want to say one thing about him. Actually, two things that make him really, really good, particularly on the college game. Patience. Mm-hmm. Extraordinarily patient. And two, and this is what Steve Sarkeesian said, he makes the safety miss. It's balance. And that maybe that too. He He's makes the safety miss, which makes that 15-yard run all of a sudden 25 to 50, Rod. He yeah. made that safety miss. He did. You're right. You know, I, I feel like I, I just feel like he's got a he's got a real chance, but I do think he's probably a better college running back than a pro running back at this time, right? I mean, that's that's really I, what you're getting. Well, this Those is special, stat, special traits. This is the stat we need to be looking up, and I'm gonna go find it for you guys. I'm gonna do my research tonight and go find it. Yards before contact. Yeah. Because when Bijan and Rozier are running the rock, Texas was actually at one of the Teams at the bottom of the, the Big 12 and the bottom of the Power 5 in terms of yards before contact. That's usually attributed to the offensive line and their push. And then yards after contact, hey, that's your running back, man. That's 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 the running back doing what they can do, being a special guy at the next level. So I want to look at that. You know what? I'm not saying he doesn't have that, but I, I guarantee the yards before contact right now are better than the yards before contact for Bijan. So he is a special back, but – there were times where Bijan and Rojo took negative plays and turned them into positive plays. I'm not saying Jay, Jay Brooks can't do it, but he didn't have to do it with the the regular regularity that Bijan and Rojo had to do it uh, with that with a young O line. This O line is maturing, guys. They they're starting to move some people around. I, I love it. I, yeah. I love it. I mean, Ogbo Helm, uh, those guys are helping out as well. DJ Campbell's playing honor. I still think. Uh, you know, you go back, Rod, and, and I rewatched it, and I, I, I commented on the watch with us, with Aaron Hogan on uh, Saturday, too. You go back and watch Quinn Ewers' uh, touchdown run, yeah, the very first one. Oh, yeah. Jake Majors, Jake Majors kept his eye up on the delayed linebacker blitz, and he got just enough of that linebacker hmm. that he could split out. That uh, Game one against Rice, that linebacker comes clean. Yeah, they're improving right now. All right, I want to say I want to say uh, thank you to a couple of super chats here, Nathan McNamee. I think that's Canadian dollars, by the way. Uh, hey. Nathan, thank you so much. We love the Canucks, baby. Who uh, come, guys? We've been four to five teams first loss this year. Four or five teams. Let's go for five to six. Rod, talk to me. It's seven oh nine. And OU still sucks. <laughs> hey, hey, by the way, hey, Bobby, we didn't, we forgot to congratulate Rod on being moved into his new room. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his he's got his jersey back up now. <laughs> yeah, wifey don't want me waking up the baby, so she kicked me out to the office that we created. But it's actually pretty nice. Now I can yell and scream. It's all good, baby. Yeah, yeah. I had to watch my voice. Hey, Rod, this one's from uh, Michael Simpson. I like this question. Last week, Rod, you predicted we might see Sark seem some new stuff against KU to put on tape for OU. Do you Mm -hmm. think they targeted Mitchell so heavily as a warning to OU against doubling up on Worthy? No doubt. And even the uh, the quarterback keeper from Quinn on the goal line? Oh, Oh, that was totally it, yeah. That's another one. He's putting stuff on tape. Honestly, the 6-0 line package may be part of that, too. He may be like, oh, man, that's the most they've ever used, 6-0 linemen. Now we got to prep for that. I think Sark is in his bag, and he wants teams. He's basically on a campaign of misinformation to force teams to have to game plan for every aspect of his offense, when in reality, nobody has time for that. And maybe maybe, maybe Venables does a great job, and he's able to kind of maybe have self-scout well enough to know exactly how Texas will attack Oklahoma – and if you can do that, good on you. That's just great coaching, great game planning. But it's really hard to do considering how many ways Sark can attack you. But that's why the JT Sanders injury is big, guys. It's huge. It is. Now, yeah, okay, he, he may play, but if he said 75%, 80% instead of big. the usual 100, he's easier to defend. He's a mat, He's the biggest matchup nightmare for Texas on that offense. There's no doubt about it. Hey, Rod, when you watch Oklahoma, I'll tell you what you're going to see. I watched the, uh, a lot of their Iowa State game today. They have a kid, Deshaun McCullough, who I had a lot in Under Armour camps. Uh, he's about 6'5", 230, and had, could really, really run and move. He yeah. was Some people tried to make him a defensive end, but he's a linebacker. 
He was running in coverage against Iowa State. He's the first guy I've seen with the size and the speed that I think could run with JT Sanders. So if Sanders is not 100%, like you said, uh, Oklahoma's, I think Oklahoma may have the best chance to defend him in man of anybody I've seen. Interesting. Uh, Jerry, we were talking earlier. We think that Brent Venables is going to try to light Steve Sarkeesian and uh, Quinn Ewers up. He's going to throw the kitchen kitchen sink blitz. Rod, Rod, like he knows his front four isn't going to be able to stand up. Okay. He's going to bring Gentry Williams off the corner. He's he's going to bring every every DB is going to get a chance to blitz in this game, in my opinion. He is going to bring everything because he he knows he can't play man up against Texas. Okay. I like this. Okay. It's a good conversation. So is he going to blitz or is he he going to pressure? Because you can do simulated pressures and still keep some numbers in the passing game. That's particularly what Quinn Ewer struggles against. He's actually pretty good against the blitz. Right. Which, for those who don't, my definition of the blitz is five or more defenders. You send five or more defenders, that's a blitz. You send four or fewer defenders, that's a pressure, but you can make it look like a blitz. That's what a simulated pressure is. That's where Quinn struggles because he's trying to decipher exactly, oh, what the numbers game, if they sent guys, what kind of coverage are they in. But when you blitz, it cleans it up for Quinn. Yeah. And that's when he actually is actually pretty precise. You go look at his numbers versus the blitz pro football focus. He's actually really good versus the blitz. I think where I see him struggle is versus simulated pressures. And I wonder right. if Venables is going to dial up a bunch of those. Like you said, yeah, have him coming it. from the secondary, have him coming from the second level all over the place. Yeah. All right. Let's just keep these simple. <laughs> <laughs> Hosey 11 with the super chat of the night, in my opinion. Uh, we'll move on and keep going. Uh, though, uh, thanks uh, to you, Hosey. Uh, Folk Casino, uh, hook them all day, every day. My prediction yeah. Texas was back to back 600 yard offense, seven TDs, defense, six sacks, offensive player worthy, uh, close to 200 yards receiving. Quinn over 400 yards passing. Let's go. I, I tell you what, guys, yeah. uh, this I'm is, not going there. I want to say this though. This is awesome because, look, all of us that are on here, presumably Texas, grew up with a little Longhorn in our blood, right? Amen, brother. Uh, These two teams have not been both undefeated since 2008. Yeah. Wow. When they're matching up against each other. That was a classic. So the excitement is palpable. I mean, you could actually you could feel it tingling a little bit, right? This this is meaningful. This isn't. This may mean more than the typical Texas OU game, which is all about typically blood and guts and war, that kind of stuff. Uh, this one means maybe may have some national national implications for the Longhorns. It should uh, always have that national type of implications. When I first came to Texas in '99, that wasn't the case. But Bob Stoops, shout out to Bob Stoops, he changed the game. Won the national title in 2000. Hell, and then from that point on, those er- those 2000s, man, those early 2000s, we should have been playing for national titles in 2001. We didn't. We should have. Uh, we were right there on the cusp. But then after that, Oklahoma played for multiple national titles. Uh, then Texas won the national title in 05. And then come back in 2008, 2009, you had both teams. Texas played for a national title. Oklahoma uh, played for another one in that time span, too. That That's what the rivalry is supposed to be about, were – Basically, the winner of this game is catapulted into the national championship conversation every year. That's the goal of the Texas OU game. That's what it was when Mac and Bob Stoops were in their prime. It was there. Hey, by, by the way, you know some Oklahoma fans are looking at this their team right now. Oh, my gosh, Stoops won a national title in year two with a left-handed quarterback that didn't have the strongest arm, but he was really accurate. Portals, your new JUCO, brought in a bunch of new guys. That's your new JUCO, which Stoops got OU well. Uh, And that you know, Oklahoma's feeling that a little bit. It's year two for Venables. I think Stoops, what did he go seven and six in year one at OU? Or what was I think it might have been? You know, Oklahoma fans are trying to see some similarities there. So it's up to Texas to knock that out Saturday. All right, hey, here's a good one from William Niche, guys. Uh, uh, what's your key matchup for the Red River game? Uh, to me, it's the Texas D-line against the Oklahoma O-line. It's imperative to disrupt Gabriel's 
intermediate passing game. He's had great protection Agreed. all season. I will absolutely agree. You cannot let him just sit back there no. and pick you apart because he is accurate. Jerry yeah. said it the best. I mean, if he has one thing that he is, he is extraordinarily accurate, throws the deep ball well. Uh, good all-around player, Dale, Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I'll Jerry I'll Rod. Yeah, I'll tell a story real quick. So, Daryl Wyatt was the wide receiver coach at UCF when Dylan Gabriel was there, right when he initially got there. And uh, I was talking to Daryl. Daryl said, hey, I'm not saying this kid's going to play in the NFL. It's a long ways that way. He doesn't have the size, but he has NFL accuracy if you don't get heat on him. That was like the first three weeks he was there. This mm. is your six in the, guy, in the same system, by the way. You have to get pressure on Gabriel. Everybody's like, he's not good under pressure. Um you know, so uh, I agree. I, I agree. But you have to get pressure on him. If not, he'll hit 70%. Yeah, that's uh, it's a great saying about quarterbacks, right? It's like um, every quarterback, if you put them at a distance, they can hit the house, right? right. Throw, throw out, they can hit the house. Half of those quarterbacks can actually hit the door if you're asking from a distance. And half of those quarterbacks can actually hit the knob. And he's a hit the knob guy. He yeah. hit the knob. I mean, yeah. he's that accurate, and I'm with you on that. you got to disrupt. And I would say the second most important matchup is probably going to be the Texas O-line versus the front of Oklahoma. 100%. I think Texas has a huge advantage on the interior on both lines of scrimmage in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean a huge advantage. Um, I, I'm not sure Kansas offensive line isn't better than Oklahoma. I think Marcus wow. Major is a quick guy. Bobby, I, I, I don't know. I mean – you know, Ooh. we'll see. I think that Oklahoma tackles as a collective group may be better, but I'm I'm not sure Kansas is sitting a little better on the interior in Oklahoma. They, they didn't allow a sack. Texas didn't get to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, Texas was getting to them late when they actually pinned their ears back and were trying to rush the quarterback. They uh, OU is going to have a – OU doesn't have the same rushing attack uh, yeah. and multiplicity that right. uh, Kansas did that would keep Texas – defensive lineman on that much of its heels. I mean, the Texas D-line for two quarters at least, maybe three, were on their heels a little bit. And by the way, why why the defensive line and the pass rush is huge in this game Saturday for Texas, I will tell you this, Oklahoma has better downfield threats than than, uh, I I think Alabama or Kansas had. Andre Anthony can flat out run. Nick Anderson, the kid from Katy who was out last year injured, is really good deep threat with size. Now, he was another one of those uh, uh, margin hooks guys, and he really knows how to run routes now. He will, he knows how to stick his foot in the ground and get you deep. Uh, so th- I think Oklahoma has the best deep ball guys that yep. receiver Texas has faced this year. So uh, well, that, that'll, that'll, pressure. that'll create some focus on the Texas safeties most likely as well. Uh, UT boy, no worrying, Bobby, not this week. I'll be honest, I don't worry Texas OU week. So one week of the year, I don't worry. I just I know that Texas. My my biggest worry ever is that Texas doesn't give it one hundred and ten percent, and I just don't worry about that on Texas OU week. Yeah. The the only thing I worry about Texas OU week, from my experience, is when Texas has really either side actually when Texas has a really young team. Young teams usually don't fare well in this matchup because they don't know the rules of engagement. They just don't. I mean, it is it's such a unique atmosphere. They just don't know what it's all about. And they get, I'm not saying they get overwhelmed, but they just don't understand, man, what it's all about. And the, like I said, the, the angst and the vitriol uh, involved from both sides. Uh, that's what I worry about. This is not a young team for Texas. They, this is a, a veteran team. They've been there already. So I, I'm actually not concerned usually about them not showing up and not being ready. They'll be ready for right. this game. Got it. Uh, Rod, this was one for you from Justin Yarbrough. Rod, oh, you likes the big play. How yep. do you expect PK to attack them? And what weaknesses does the OU defense have? I still think they look like a Big 12 team, not an SEC team. They don't seem as physical as Texas. What are your thoughts on that? I, I was going to say, I think you can run the ball on Oklahoma uh, a little bit. Um, but as I said, I haven't watched full film. I'll, I'll get into it in football theory and obviously in some of the live streams. Uh, for PK, the deep ball is a concern. And it's one of the things 
we've seen a couple of teams being able to exploit against Texas, whether it been Alabama in the deep ball. We saw Baylor throw a couple of deep balls against Texas and complete them. Even in Kansas game, Kansas won. I mean, they couldn't even throw the ball, and they were able to complete a deep pass. And, they, and remember, that deep ball they completed against Texas, they saw something they liked. They saw a matchup they liked. They saw a personnel grouping they liked, coverage they liked. I'll get back to it and kind of see what they liked. It might have been just Keaton Crawford. To getting back to, you know, it, it might have been they just liked it. They liked that matchup they had because, remember, they went hurry up. They ran the ball and they went up tempo. They're like, let's go. We got what we want. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And then they found the matchup. So there's no question. Dylan Gabriel is one of his, I think, assets as a quarterback is his deep ball accuracy. Uh, and Jerry mentioned they got some deep ball threats. They'll threaten Texas early and often with it. Texas likes to play man, like to play match quarters. Match quarters is essentially cover four, but it deteriorates into being man once the routes are declared. Uh, that's a way, I think, and I believe Texas was in match quarters when they got, Kansas got that deep ball. It just ended up being man-to-man on Keaton Crawford. That's the way the coverage decomposes. So I, that's something to be concerned about if you're in Texas. I think the best way to guard against it is pressure getting pressure on Dylan Gabriel early and often, but also who you have in that safety. And I just, there are certain safeties and certain players that are being attacked. And there are other guys that are better in those situations. And I wonder in this old Texas OU game, if the, if the, if the rotations will be shortened a little bit. Tightened. Yes. Tightened. Uh, I, 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 I question that. I mean, here's the other thing. He asked, also asked Justin Yarbrough. Thanks for the super chat, by the way. Uh, he also asked, what does the Texas offense have? potentially over the OU defense? Like, uh, is it the offensive line yes. should be a strength of the Texas? Jerry, what do you think there? Yeah, Season I think offensive head. line. I think that, I think there's a reason that Oklahoma's recruiting is so D-line heavy in this class. Uh, they know they don't have the size they want. Texas starts a, a year ahead of Brent Venables building the program with bigger human beings getting ready for the SEC. Mm-hmm. Brent Venables is trying to do the same thing. He's a year behind. Texas has an advantage on the offensive line. I mean, we watched them lean on an improved Kansas defensive line. Um, you know, when you watch Iowa State against Oklahoma, Oklahoma's defensive linemen did not play with feet on the Iowa State line of scrimmage very much when I watched that game. And uh, Iowa State was having success running it, but they got down so much, the game plan kind of went out the window, right? Um, so Texas has a big advantage on the offensive line in this game. I really believe that. And um, I, I think that uh, – <clears throat> That's why I think Venables is going to be bringing everything from every direction in this game. I think he knows he has to. I, I agree. He's going to have to take some chances. Hey, yeah. uh, before we get to some more questions, we got quite a few, and I appreciate that. Feel free. We've got about 30 more minutes to go here, so feel free to get in all your questions. Uh, this is this uh, this live stream Sunday night is brought to you by the folks at the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. Uh, that's www.crossoakgroup.com. I want to go now to uh, Super Chat from Tim and CISO. Uh, this one, uh, talk about uh, somebody that brings the wood a little bit. Jalen Catalan sends Drake suits to the <laughs> shadow realm. <laughs> DL buries Gabriel. OL pounds these land th- thieves into submission. How about it, boys? Let's go. Uh, Jalen Catalan may send, I mean, Rod, you and it was very interesting listening to you and uh, Drew Kelson uh, talk a couple weeks ago. Y'all were like, look. Jalen Catalan, you can see why he's had shoulder injuries. And you can't play like he does full-time and not expect to end up with a shoulder injury because he just brings it. Uh, the DL bearing Gabriel, OL panels, oh. Lance leaves into submission. Hey, can, can we talk about this real quick, Bobby? Let's, Rod, let's talk about why Catalan's style of play is that way. If you're a linebacker, and, and Jalen Catalan plays with a linebacker mentality at safety. Love it. The problem is at linebacker, you're hugging the line of scrimmage two or three yards off the line of scrimmage, so your collisions with running backs aren't full speed. Jalen Catalan is a missile from 15 yards off the ball with no mm. regard for his body. It's not, You're just not staying healthy that way. Yeah, and his size, right? It's not like he's huge. Yeah. 
He's pounds. He's built like a little tank. Yeah. Yeah. He's built like Savion Red. Yeah. yeah. No, he really. I, I I like the Bob Sanders comparison that people have made too. I mean, he does, and he's so he's so great and so he dissects angles so well to the football that he never has to adjust his angle. So he's even faster. Like once he gets a right. beeline, he just goes, and his angles are precise to the yeah. football. And he he does a great job too. You can tell he's a he's, his football intelligence is really high. Because to do that also to never have to adjust your angle. You have to be able to properly predict and project where the ball is going to, right? Where the ball's going to spill out, where they're going to spill. It spills based on gap responsibility from defenders. You know, this guy's got that gap. This defender's got that gap. He actually is predicting at times, all right, the ball's going to spill right here. I'm going. And he meets the ball carrier right there in the hole. Like you said, Jerry, going, you know, being like a missile. And I love it. But yeah, you can see why the coaches are like, yeah, we're going to. We go, we'll, we'll, we'll put them on a pitch count. Well, they haven't said that. That's just me. We'll put oh, them on you're pitch right, count. though, Rod. You're 100%. Hey, right. hey I've got to say this. I, I got to say this. If you haven't rewatched the game, Man. rewind to that third and one. Uh, the, yes. The, it, was eventually, it was eventually the series of the game. KU had the ball down just 14 to 20. It was third and one. Jalen Catalan <laughs> looks like he shot out of a cannon reading the play and connects with the, the running back. In the backfield. Yeah. Now, they ended up making it a fourth and one. The, the, the running back, Highshaw, who I thought was tremendous, um, ended up getting back to the line of scrimmage. But that set up the fourth and one that then KU uh, botched uh, and really turned the whole game upside down. Was that the fumble recovery? After that in a was hit. What's that? Was that the fumble recovery? Yeah. The, uh, no, he didn't hit the fumble recovery. The next play no, was the, the next. Recovery. Yeah, yeah, next yeah. play was the fumble recovery. So the subsequent – he had the third and one. Yeah, yeah. That created the fourth and one. No, I remember that series. That was a big series, right? Jade Barron, I think, got the fumble recovery. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, here's from Wayward. Uh, do you think UT boy, our friend UT boy, will have a physical <laughs> reaction to the Jonte catch and run? And how many socks do you think he soiled on the play? <laughs> hey, I gotta say this now. Jonte Cook looked really good on that that little. Uh, uh, it, I guess it was just a what, what kind of route was that, Rod? The, the one he took, like, I just like the fact that he, he caught it and out. kept going. He didn't call it, catch yeah. it, and curl. He got an extra 15 yards. I think it was like a deep curl route, if I'm not mistaken. Guys, have you seen how deep these curl routes and these out routes are? Yeah. They're yeah. running yeah. 17 yards. He's trying, hey. stretch, he's trying to stretch that field vertically every <laughs> snap, right? And we were talking, me and Jerry were talking about this, Rod. We think it's because a Quinn Ewers has the arm. He does. Uh, okay, we think it. He has the arm. That's another reason why we think that, that they're giving up sacks. I mean, yeah. these routes are freaking long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not short routes. No, uh, not a bad thing. It's just it's hard it, to, it, it is. as a DB. It's impossible to guard. I, and I was just talking about how you do. You know, you you cancel gaps as a as a safety trying to figure out where the ball's going to spill. I do the same thing with routes as a corner. I cancel routes as I work my way up the field. I cancel out, all right, we're at we're past five yards, so no hitch, no slant. We're past 10. All right, so no curl, no quick out. And I get when I once I get to about 12 yeah. to 15 yards, I'm turning and running. Because usually at that point, I'm I'm dropping guarding the post, I'm guarding yeah. the the nine, the, the deep, you know, post corner, maybe a comeback, but I'll I'll game plan a quarterback that can throw that. But that's what Quinn is. So now as a cornerback, I can't even cancel out the 17 yard curl. <laughs> I hey, hey, Rod, 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 let me ask you something. So seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And Quinn hit deep shots against Bama, right? But yeah. if throwing deep down the right and left side, I think Quinn's down the middle is tremendous throwing it deep. But if he's not as good throwing it down the right and left side, around the sidelines, outside the hashes, is this a, is this Sark's way 
Oh, of a downfield field. passing game Damn, because he has a quarterback with the arm. He's just trying to run these guys to 25 or 30 yards damn, and still good. stretch the field vertically. That's what it, that's what it seems like to me. That damn, that's good, Jerry. I never thought about that, but yeah, that's a great supplement for the deep ball because you can still keep the safeties. The safeties will still try to defend it. They'll try yeah. to help the corners defend those. It's gonna be a deep in or a deep curl. That's that's pretty good. I like that. That's what he's trying to do. If Since Quinn doesn't throw it outside the hashes, right, left side, as well as he does down the middle, how can I still stretch the field in that manner outside the hashes? Because he's definitely throwing fewer deep balls. God yep. bless the man. He's deciding, you know what, I'm not doing that. But you're right. That's a great point, Jerry. He's been more selective about the deep throws. Whatever he did on Saturday, if he can replicate that in Red River, let's hear it. Uh, because 661 yards of total offense, uh, quite the performance for the Texas Oak. Uh, you guys are listening and watching the Longhorn live stream, uh, the Sunday night live stream presented by the Cross Oak Group uh, from inside Texas and on Texas football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton, if you're just joining us. Uh, guys, we have a question on the inside Texas message board uh, right now from Northern Horn. And I, I actually think this is a good question from a motivational slash Mental aspect. How much does the 49 to zero of a year ago impact motivation on both sides of scrimmage? Texas, they're going to be too overconfident. Oklahoma wanting to prove themselves, having a bad taste from last year. Rod, you've been in those I, where I, you, yeah. you were on the bat, the bad I mean, end of, yes. a, of a beatdown. Yeah, no, I was on the embarrassing. Uh, shameful end of one of those videos. Right. In so, so talk about how your feeling was the next year. Uh, no, I, I remember it. I mean, I I can tell you right now, it's you don't you don't forget it. I mean, that's not a if you're a competitor, a true competitor, and I know this. Is all these guys are at this level. Um, all off season, all spring practice, trading camp, you're thinking about that butt whipping, that old testament, old old biblical style butt whipping you got. In the biggest game of the year, you didn't show up. It haunts you. It it I remember after 2000, it haunted us as a defense that we just didn't show up. As as a team, we didn't show up in that game. We still lost the next year. We did. But I want to say the loss was like it's like a 14 to 3 loss. I mean, it was a slobber knocker. It, it was one of them games, and we still lost the damn game. But I remember that there wasn't a, a point where I, I didn't think we would show up. In 2000, we didn't show up. And I apologize to everybody who showed up for that game and had to deal with that embarrassing performance. That was shameful. So I guarantee Oklahoma's going to show up. They're they going to come with it. Because yeah, there's no doubt as a program they were embarrassed on that uh, day. Yeah, right, 100%, right? I mean, Texas isn't going to be overconfident in this game. I, I think we can throw that one out. You no, don't think? No. You're not worried at all? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Not at all. I'm not worried about them being overconfident walking out against Oklahoma. If I'm Brent Venables, you know how everything's high-tech now. You walk into the facilities. They have TVs of old games. You know, the 05 National Championship game is always playing at Texas or big games when recruits come in. Yeah. I would have every single – you know, you have, the, you have the video screens above the lockers nowadays. I would have this game on repeat all freaking week. <laughs> for that. But here's the thing. Somebody else brought a great comment. How many new players are there for Oklahoma? It was half their roster. Um, more was than half half. their yeah. roster even there for that game last year? Good point. It's a totally different team, but they will be they will be ready and trying to. Uh, they're going to come with a lot of energy and effort early. It's up to Texas offensive line to uh, and Texas defensive line cool. to squash it. And let's think about this too, guys. We brought it up, and it's fair. We brought it up with Steve Sarkeesian versus Bama. We know there was a special obsession. For Sark to win that Bama game. And he was right about, hey, you win that Bama game, the momentum could be just unprecedented and tremendous for Texas football. And it has been. So Sark bet on himself, and I think it was a smart gamble. It seems like based on the Wyoming and the Rice result and product that Sark was game planning for Bama, right? Uh, more so than, you know, just during the season, probably in the offseason too. I think it's fair to say Brent Venables, haunted by that performance from last season, and not having a big-time elite opponent early on yeah. in the season prior to Texas, there's been a lot of extra prep for Texas. 
I'm sure Sark has prepped for Oklahoma too. I'm not saying he hasn't, but he also used that time to prep for Bama. Brent Venables did not split his time prepping. He did not. I assure you, he went all in on Texas because he knew I might get fired if I get embarrassed again in this game <laughs> after year two. <laughs> that that really may be true. All right, hey, this one from Archmania. Will that golden hat fit Anthony Hill? Yeah. I predict a huge game from him on Gabriel. Who are going to be the guys that you expect or suspect will have big-time games on defense for the Longhorns getting after the passer? Guys, I'm going to go on the interior because I think Oklahoma has two strong tackles. Uh, Walter Rouse and then uh, the, the Guyton, the transfer from TCU, both strong in my opinion. The interior, Tavondre Sweat had the highest grade on the interior as a pass rusher today uh, from Pro Football Focus with a 91. Byron Murphy, obviously, Alfred Collins. Those guys, Jeray Bledsoe even might get after the passer a little bit late. I think the pass rush this week is going to come from the inside more than the outside. Archer, Jerry or Rod, y'all have any comment there? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I, I totally agree. And I think the outside pass rush is going to come from Anthony Hill in this game. I really do. So I agree with you, Bobby. By the way, Ashton Holloman, he said he was going to look up how many new players for OU. 43. They turned over more than half the roster. Yeah. School and portal. Um, I mean, so I, I know there's four starters on offense for sure that are new to the program or didn't play mm -hmm. last year, Dylan Gabriel. Gotcha. I mean, Art, here's another one from uh, Archmania. Another question that I think I want to know about and, and get y'all's take on. Do we stay with the routine of leaning on them with the heavy run game? I don't see why not. Heavy run game, deep curls. Hell, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The running game is what it's doing right now. It's opening up your playbook. Right when you can get the run game going, then Stark's entire playbook is open. The RPO game, the play action pass game, the screen game, which is now he's taking the screen game to a new level. Uh, I, I I think that's why Sark wants that running game to you know to to kind of set the tone for him. And I'm not saying that he won't still throw it. We know that he can mix in the RPO and the play action pass game, the deception pat, the deceptive passing game with that. But right now, man, you can lean on teams, and I think he understands. Then the fourth quarter and the second half, he's closing games with the running game. Bama closed out with the running game. Wyoming closed out with the running game. Baylor closed out with the running game. Um, and this game uh, against Kansas closed him out with the running game. I think, sorry, that's, that's his finishing move. He wants to finish him with the running game. Lean on. All right. You're speaking of that, uh, Frank DeClute, Uh When OU played a good D-line, they scored 20 points. That was Cincinnati. Uh, Iowa State had a lot of success, and Cincinnati has a lot of success running the ball. Does Texas try to take the air out of the ball and keep OU's offense on the sideline? I don't know that that Sark necessarily attempts to do that. Nah, I think nah. he may have done that a little bit on Saturday after he saw that his defense couldn't stop the option early. Right. But I don't know that he had thought about that in the second half really well let's let's talk about the Cincy game real quick because that's been commented on a few times I, Oklahoma still had 425 yards on the road so it's not yeah, like they it, moved the ball between the 20s that's right that's so right. Gabriel had a fumble in the red zone too yeah. now they didn't run it well um but they, let's not act like they didn't move the ball against Cincinnati they had 425 yards on the road I mean there's a reason they're averaging 500 yards um SMU was probably their worst offensive performance I would say of the season, not actually Cincinnati. Um, but look, I think I think if Oklahoma, it's a pretty simple game this week. Texas has an advantage on the line of scrimmage. If Texas wins the line of scrimmage and Oklahoma struggles running the football, um, that puts them in a the position they do not want to be in. And I think the flip side is Brent Venables is a really good defensive coach, right? Yes, he is. He's got to get pressure on Quinn in this game. If Texas is running downhill and he can't get pressure, he's, he could get blown out again, and he knows that. He's got to take some risks. He's got to bring some numbers. He's got to bring them from different areas this week. Um, and, and I'll say this, if uh, Rod, if, if Texas is in their Big 12 package, is it, 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 do, you bring, do you bring more of the, the safeties? Do you bring corner blitzes in those scenarios? Because Malik Ogbo is going to be in for pass protection. Mm-hmm. Or versus bringing them when Jatavion Sanders is a threat in the passing game? That's my yeah. question, thinking about this game a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, if you look at it, Texas throwing the ball really well out of that 6-0 line package. Last yeah. three weeks, 
Um, they're averaging, make sure I get my notes right. You told me last three weeks, they're averaging over 13 yards per attempt, <laughs> throwing the ball out of that six hole line package because of kind of what you're talking about. They present a power personnel package. They have three offensive tackles, the pass pro, too, Rod. Yes, they got time for those long developing routes down the field. So I'm with you. I think it, it sounds maybe, you know, counterintuitive, but I would come after them blitzing when they got that six hole line group. Don't get because most of the route there's no quick game coming out of this. Yeah, I would I'll go back and give get the numbers guys from my notes, but from my just recall, I've got a lot of it's play action pass. You know, you talk about long developing plays. That's when you got time to get to Quinn. You got extra protection, but you do have time to get there. We know you can throw some twists and stunts to do it. I'm with you, Jerry. I think in that situation, if Texas is gonna run a lot of the six-o line package, even with run blitzes, I'm coming in early yeah. and often. All right, hey guys, this is a good one. Uh, Ryan Watts, we don't know his health. Right. Uh, Rick Ambergay. Uh, guys, do you think Gavin Holmes gets more time at field corner mm-hmm. with Brooks and Muhammad at boundary? Gavin Holmes can run, Rod. I mean, he's got your kind of speed. He was He's a 4-3, 4-4, low 4-4 guy. And I wrote down something you don't see a lot of is uh, I saw Gavin Holmes playing bump and run on the field side. Yeah, I know. I that 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 gave you a heads up, didn't it, Rod? Yeah, it I, and I know that's something Sark and PK want to do. They just don't. They haven't trusted their corners yet. Um, back when they had Deshaun Jameson, Deshaun Jameson was good at triangulating in zone coverage. Oh, shout out to Deshaun Jameson. Who, you saw him knock out uh, Kirk Cousins on the, uh, the 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 pick six. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was a nice play. But anyway, um, <laughs> they want they want both of their corners to play bump and run. And by, I'll just say this right now, just. And I'm not disrespecting Ryan Watts. I think Malik Muhammad is just a better cover corner. He is. He is. Than Ryan Watts. He, he is. Yeah. And I think he. I think he's better at the line of scrimmage playing press than Ryan Watts too. I. I don't know. I, I haven't. I got to go back and deep, dive deep into it. But I think he. I don't know if there's a big drop off. I'll say that at boundary corner from Ryan Watts to Malik Muhammad. I don't know if there's a huge drop off there. Inexperience would probably be the biggest issue. He hadn't had the reps and the mental reps. So maybe you can get after him and force him to make some mental mistakes as a young player. But technique-wise and footwork-wise and coverage ability, mm, Malik Muhammad's the truth, guys. Got it. Hey. Hey, by, by the way, somebody's I, – I put up some stats for um, on Inside Texas, kind of the statistical look at these two teams. And I just did it a couple of days earlier than maybe Joe Cook would have, but just because I was preparing for shows this week. One thing we haven't talked about, guys, in this game, one, we got to get the special teams, but two, penalties per game. Oklahoma's 98th in the country, seven penalties per game. Texas is number 15 in the country, only 4.2 penalties per game. Oklahoma's averaged over 61 penalty yards per game. Um, Maybe they'll call holding against the Sooners one of these years. Yeah, I I was going to say, Oklahoma has not been as much of an execution team uh, as Texas has been in that regard this year. All right, hey, guys, we need to say thanks uh, to our sponsor one last time today, and then we've got the time for several more questions. Uh, On Texas Football, the Sunday Night Live stream is brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, guys, uh, we got another super chat here that I really uh, think is a quick one. I want to I want to answer this quick because there's no way you can answer it all the way through. Right. But three big keys to the game on O and D uh, running game for Texas on offense for me. Get Quinn Ewers started good uh, in there, and then also try to involve Xavier, Xavier Worthy. Make his speed count in this game. Those are my three on O. Mm. It's Texas right. OU, so running game like you said is always big turnovers. Always huge in this matchup. Huge. And for, for, for offense, man, I'm going to go red zone for Texas. That's a good one. Go red zone, man. I, I mean. Rod, I mean, you're on it. You're on it right now. Guys, red zone touchdown percentage for Texas. I'm not trying to be negative because this team is playing at a high level. They're number three in the country. But one thing that could come back to haunt them in this game versus Oklahoma, touchdown percentage in the red zone. 
108. Yeah. Now they they're in a, they're a big play explosive uh play offense. So they usually just score from outside the red zone. And it's not even a big deal. So it's not necessarily something that's hindering the team right now. But I wonder if Brent Venables will kind of bake into his game plan, bend but don't break, like Kansas did. We bend but don't break, we get in the red zone, and that's when we can stiffen, stiffen up, and then we can force them into kicking the field goal. That's a win. So I start, I guarantee he's in his bag this week. Red zone plays. Dial him up, baby. Have like 30, 20, 30 ready, get ready to go. Hey, Jerry, uh, what about defense for you? Three keys yeah, on defense. I was going to say my offensive one is offensive line communication because I think Brent Venables is bringing the house from everywhere Saturday. Offensive line communication is going to be huge. Uh, okay. Which is going to shrink this year. Defensive, uh, for me, is going to be – I hate to say it. It's safeties not being flat-footed and playing with their eyes. Because Oklahoma is going to attack these guys relentlessly in the passing game. I would if I was coming. If I'm playing Texas, I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm saying where do I have the best chance? Exactly. I'm going after if 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 21's on the field, I'm going after him. I'm just mm-hmm. telling you, it's just it is what it is. It's football. I'm not being mean. I'm going after him. Yeah. Jaron Thompson, I know he's smart. I'm going after him. Safeties and coverage is going to be huge. Yeah, they're going to have they they hope Texas hopes they can stop the run and keep two safeties back. Yeah, yep. almost guarantee that's what what the that has to be at least part of the game plan in my opinion for the Longhorns. All right, uh, I, I'm uh, Bobby Burton joined by Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers. Uh, this is the Longhorn lo- live stream on Sunday night, brought to you by uh, the Cross Oak Group. Uh, guys, we've got a couple other questions that I think are, are interesting. Um, let's talk with this. Let's go with this one, and this is for you, Rod. And, and Jerry, either one of you guys, how does Texas counter OU's blitzes? Mm. Is it is it screen RPO game is a big part of it? The screen game is a big part. I think, I think running backs are going to be huge in the passing yeah. game this week. Yeah, yeah, screen games big. And I'll, I'll throw this out there too. I think maybe that's a big part of why they're throwing out the six O line package so they can be ready for the elaborate blitz scheme. But if you can. If Texas can dictate the tempo and run the football effectively, stay ahead of the chains against That's Oklahoma, they won't have to worry about elaborate, exotic blitz right. packages. But if they are behind the chains, and listen, guys, Brent Venables does I hate to bring it up because we haven't talked about it in like three weeks, and it's one of those dreaded terms that we've been talking about way too much. He does run some form of the three high, three down at times. He can run a situation. It's in. It's in. It's in his repertoire. All right. So he may decide in this game. Hey man, you know what? This may be the game situationally to throw it out there against Texas. So I'm just throwing it out there too. So you want to stay out of predictable passing situations. If you're in predictable pass situations, that's where Brent Venables can dial up elaborate blitz packages. But keep in mind, last the last few years, last few years, Sark's only coasting it twice, but the last two years, Sark has actually been is he's upped his rate of early down passes in this game to try to stay ahead of the chains. I think most of the time. Got it. All right. Travis Earls with super chat. Who has more skilled depth at O-line and D-line between OU and UT? What can we do to prevent the deep shots? The three, four, three, three, five. What do you do to prevent the deep shots? Keep the two safeties back when they don't have to support the run as much. Yeah, that's, that's what you do. If you can keep your two deep safeties, that's ideally what you would like to do, but you just said it, Bobby, then you open yourself up for a light box. You play with a light box, teams want to expose you in the run. It literally happened in the Kansas game. Kansas started running the triple option. If you go back and watch, there was a lot of too deep coverage early on in the second half. That, that was almost no too deep coverage. They went on a lot of single high to put that extra guy down in the box to stop the run. So that's the conundrum you deal with. I think for Texas, situationally, that's why you force – you want to force them to have to throw that deep ball early on early downs. And if they throw it early downs and you can defend it properly – then they're behind the chains. Um, so that's something, too, for Dex. So I, I think they're going to try to keep their safeties deep, but also your corners, man, they got to play with better technique. Upfield shoulder. Got to be on the upfield shoulder. They can't get beat, let guys get behind them. Texas will play a lot of man. They'll play a lot of match coverage, uh, match quarters, excuse me, which basically turns into man coverage. So they will be susceptible to the deep ball. Uh, Travis Earls, thanks for that super chat. This is the follow-up to that almost. Should we worry yeah. about DBs getting blown by? That's kind of what you're talking about, Rod, right there. Well, I, Muhammad, I, don't, I think Malik Muhammad can hold his own. He's young, so you got to worry about that. Ryan Watson doesn't have 
the straight foot speed to keep up with a you know with a straight burner. And sometimes teams try to match him up with a burner. Hey, Rod, and that goes to your point about Manny being better in press. You're, it's hard to be great in press if you're scared that you're going to get beat deep, right? If you have to turn and run. That's a great point, Jerry. Uh, I, I mean, totally agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. You, yeah, because you're right. You have, uh, Everything, because basically as a DB, everything is, all your technique is built on not giving up that deep ball. Yeah. Um, and at playing press coverage, if you want to be aggressive, at the line of scrimmage, you got to be patient and you got to be willing to be patient, um, you know, to, to make sure you get your hands on a guy every now and then you might have to take a chance on the guy getting by you. But if you got good makeup speed, which I had, and some guys do, you don't worry about that extra step. Cause you know, right. you can always catch up that that's not a big deal. I'd rather reroute the rod receiver. If he's got to take that extra step, but go around me to do it, then I did my job and I rerouted him. Got it. Uh, hey, this is from Eric 76. Sark admitted he got cute in the red zone. Um, you know, I, I agree with that. It, it didn't seem, first of all, the two times they had the ball inside the 10, uh, on first, uh, inside the, the first and goal from the 10 or in yeah. inside of it, the they didn't get anything on a first down run play. Mm-hmm. So at what level, what's he, what's he trying to do from there, right? Uh, didn't come back with a second down. I, I, I feel like that's maybe the question. If I would say anything right now, Quinn's pass to A.D. Mitchell uh, in the for the touchdown uh, was a good sign that Texas and Quinn can start hitting in some tighter windows. Uh, because yeah. I'm telling you right now, that's a little concern for me in the red zone. Quinn does not like to really throw into traffic at all. That's just – that's his M.O., uh, and so that it requires that it sometimes in red zone. Yeah, yep. it was a cover two beater. It was a cover two beater. I mean, they were yep. in that side of the field of cover two, and Jonathan Brooks was in the shallow, had kind of run a flare yep. route. Cedric Baxter. Yep, exactly. They were um, waiting to get that ball out to him. And or, they had these seven route, basically to the to the uh, basically to the back pylon there. And you're right. He put he put in the only spot he could. He had to go over the cornerback and right in between that safety and that corner. And he did a great job. It was it was not an easy. It looked easy, but it wasn't easy. I know Rod Baber saw that because that safety was mad at the corner. He was. Yeah. <laughs> I know Rod, Rod was like, ooh, I know how that feels. He was. He's like, man, you got to sink. You got to sink on that, man. You got to get deep. You got to get deep. Get some depth. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get keep going here. We got a couple more questions I think that uh, would be really good uh, for everyone to hear. Um, is there a I, – I, I hate to say this, but – is there a big difference in offensive and defensive lines headed to the NFL on in this game? This is from Ashton Holloman. Uh, does Texas have a big NFL line uh, advantage? I, I kind of think they do right now on the defensive front from an age perspective. Like Texas is more experienced there, whereas on the offensive line, Texas is also a little bit more experienced, but OU has some young guys as well as a couple of tackles that are going to play in the league. So I almost feel like Texas has more NFL talent right now that's in the upper classes than, right. than OU does on the defense line. Jerry, you you follow that as much as anyone here. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think so. I, I And I think that's why Oklahoma is so much emphasis on the D-line in recruiting. I think they know that they don't have the guys they need, the size or the front-line talent. I think Oklahoma has a couple of quality defense, uh, you know, defensive linemen. But from an NFL draft perspective, Texas has three guys right now that are that would be drafted: Sweat, Murphy, and Alfred Collins. Oklahoma doesn't have that. And on the edge, I I don't think they have anybody as good, maybe as a pro prospect long term as Ethan Burke. Right. So I definitely think Texas is ahead their offensive line. I, I don't think there's any question about that. I think I think they've got. I will say this about OU. I think they've got a pair of really good linebackers. Uh, Jerry Connect, the sophomore. I think he's going to be an NFL player. Danny Stutzman and Jalen. Danny Stutzman, their middle linebacker, along with Jalen Ford, are. I guarantee you, they are both two of the three All-Conference linebackers. Wow. Uh, Stutzman like Stutzman will turn you over. That is a, a big deal for him. Uh, hey, I'll end with this one. Jay Ward says. Dylan Gabriel might have a hurt back in warm-ups Saturday, too. No, man. It can't happen. There's no way. 
<laughs> I was joking around the post game that the way, the way the way it's going for Texas, Gabriel's going to fall down the stairs Wednesday night or something that uh, you know <laughs> at, at the at the football facility, something weird's going to happen. Right, three in a row, three backup <laughs> quarterbacks in a row. How does that yeah. happen, guys? I've never heard of that. Well, we'd have to ask Sonny Dykes how that happens at TCU last season. That's a good point. They're not theirs out, though. Texas just didn't get gift-wrapped these backup quarterbacks. But that's why I'm excited about this matchup, guys. Obviously, it's Texas OU. It's hard not right. to be excited about every part of it. But the Texas defense hasn't faced a good quarterback yet. They haven't. They've been, they've been very lucky. They've been very lucky. Yep. So this will be the first good quarterback they face. All right. Uh, that's probably going to do it for tonight. I do want to mention one more thing. Uh, Texas will face Brennan Thompson in this uh-huh. game. A young man transferred hey. to uh, Oklahoma over the offseason. Uh, he's been on the other side of this game. Probably knows the Texas offense quite a bit. We'll see if that plays any role whatsoever. Uh, he actually caught a big ball from uh, Dylan Gabriel uh, last week. They've got more, and we didn't mention him when y'all were talking about speed from the, from the uh, uh, Oklahoma sideline. They do have a, a lot of speed, and that is going to be an issue for Texas to account for. Uh, in the secondary. All right, uh, that's going to do it for the Sunday night live stream. We really appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, like and subscribe for the, to this video uh, for more. We also appreciate our sponsor, Crossout Group. Also, if you get a chance, check out InsideTexas.com. We've got all the articles and news and notes you could possibly want right now uh, over there at Inside Texas. There's a promo code you can use to get a really good offer. $1 for two months. Use promo code OTFIT23. That's OTFIT23. Remember, you must select the monthly offer. All right, uh, guys, I tell you what, uh, it is 8-11, and I'm signing off, and OU still sucks. (laughs) Amen, brother. Hook (laughs) them.